Good evening, everybody. This is the Back Row Bengals Sports Podcast, and today we are going to be previewing the Thursday night matchup between the Bengals and the Browns, and we got a special guest today. We got from the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Matthew Bruning. Matthew, how you doing? I'm good, man. Glad to glad to be on here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So when I when we first started talking. It, the way you sounded, it made it sound like you were from Cleveland, but you're actually from Texas. So how did you how did you get involved with Cleveland sports? I gotta know. Uh, well, I was actually born in Cleveland. Uh, lived there for about eight years uh, before my family moved to Texas. I've, I've lived most of my life in Texas, but I was born in Cleveland. Uh, my both my parents were raised uh, and lived in Ohio their entire lives. Uh, lived and uh, raised me in Middleburg Heights, so I was just kind of raised to be a Cleveland everything fan. I, I still consider uh, Cleveland to be my hometown. Uh, go back. Uh, I haven't been back this year, obviously, with everything going on COVID wise. But I go back about once a year uh, to spend time with all of my family. The rest of my family lives there. Well, thank God you got out of there in only eight years. Some people say their entire lives up in <laughs> Cleveland. Well. Obviously, a week one, both the Bengals and the Browns coming off of a loss, and uh, obviously it's a Bengals podcast, so a lot of my listeners already know. So, give us a recap. What did you see in the Browns game? Uh, what were your What were your takeaways from the game against the Ravens? Uh, did the Browns actually play last week? I wasn't I wasn't one hundred percent sure that that actually happened. Uh, you know, not not a lot. Uh, it was a, it was a bad game. I do think it was a lot closer than the the thirty eight. Six final score indicates it was a good game for the most part up until a little bit into the third quarter. Then the Ravens really just kind of put it on the Browns and, and ran away with it. It was just a bad all around. Not great offense, not great defense. Uh, defense, the Browns have a lot of players missing, so I, I do think that kind of helped to the Browns or the, the Ravens offense some in putting up points. But it was just a lot of missteps on offense, uh, missed kicks, missed field goals, dropped passes. It was just, it was all, one of those games where. As a fan, you watch it and uh, you hate it. And as a team, I think it's one of those. If you're the head coach, it's that uh, you know you you take the tape and you burn it kind of thing and just bury it, let it go. Like let's just move on to the next week kind of game. There's really not much you can recap from a game like that. Right, right. And and obviously, both you and I have seen plenty of games like that. And uh, but, yeah. but but from this game. Um, was there anybody from the Browns that really shined? Anybody that, you know, within all the, uh, you know, getting beat that bad? Did anybody from the Browns actually play, like, really good? Did you notice anybody that played really well? Yeah, there was a couple players, actually. On defense, I think uh, Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi, uh, two of the guys I don't think many would expect you to talk about. Uh, though They both had really good games for the most part. Uh, Denzel Ward actually had a really good game as well. For the most part, whenever he was on, uh, certain wide receivers, he shut them down. And then on the offense, Jarvis Landry. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot uh, mm. to be proud of on what the Browns did offensively, but I think Jarvis Landry and David Njoku, who unfortunately went on IR, both of uh, when they were called upon, they did not, uh, they still shine. They caught the ball every time the ball was thrown to them and still put up their points. So I thought they were they were both pleasantly surprising on offense. So was it, do you think it was more uh, the Ravens played incredibly well or did the Browns play bad or was it kind of a mix of both? I, I would definitely say it was a mix of both. I mean, I, I hate to give the old coach speak, but I, I, I kind of agree with something Kevin Stefanski said in uh, the interviews he was given this week. You, you have to tip your cap to Baltimore. They are right. just a phenomenal team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as much as I hate to admit this, and I'm sure you do as well, the Ratbirds have a really good team right there in Baltimore. Yeah. And they are, they're a phenomenal team. And 
teams in the AFC, but it definitely didn't help uh, with the Browns' defense. Again, having the injuries that they had, uh, I actually thought their defense played really good. It was more just the offense. Uh, There's multiple drops on third down, fumbles as well. Baker did not play great. You know, when you when you're making mistakes the way that the Browns did on offense and giving a team like Baltimore extra chances, you're only shooting yourself in the foot. And I kind of think that helped Baltimore lead into getting that 38-6 that to six victory. I got you. I got you. Absolutely. So, obviously, we want to keep that game in the past. We're on to uh, week yeah. two. But um, one thing that I wasn't really following that much this year was Browns training camp and how they were doing and how yeah. they were reacting with the COVID. What was what was some of the news out of the Browns training camp? Was there anything that uh, the general you know NFL fan doesn't really know that much about? Is there who shined in training camp, who didn't do very well? What was your take on the Browns training camp this year? Uh, so for who didn't do well, it, I don't think it matters as much for us uh, if we're talking fantasy or anything. Uh, there was a lot of worry about Jedrick Wills, our new left tackle, the rookie, and I think a lot of that just comes from him being a right tackle all through college and having to move over to left tackle, uh, not an easy thing to do. Uh, you know, you've had, we obviously, and I'm sure the, the Bengals know from as well, and Joe Thomas, one of the, the best left tackles to ever played the game, in my right. opinion, uh, said that he felt Wills had the ability to do that, but then having no preseason and really no training camp where you can hit people, that's not an easy transition to make. He didn't look bad in week one, uh, but he was one that was really kind of brought up as struggling in training camp. Uh, the highlight, I think, for me, from everything I saw and read, was Harrison Bryant, the, the freshman, not freshman, I'm sorry, the rookie tight end they had got uh, at an FAU. If you're a Buckeyes fan, uh, you saw him kind of torch the Buckeyes uh, the year prior when they played FAU. He looked really good and actually had some shining moments in that, that Baltimore game as well. If you're, you're a fantasy player, if he's available in the Dynasty League, he's a guy I would definitely target. I think he's going to be a guy you're going to hear be hearing a lot about uh, coming up here, especially now with Njoku going on the IR. All right. Uh, one name that uh, I was kind of surprised I haven't heard you say yet with all the questions I've been asked, but we got to talk about him. Obviously, with a very important year ahead of Baker Mayfield, what does he need to yeah. do in order to get back to where he was as a rookie, where he broke the uh, rookie touchdown record? That is a good question. Um, I... I'm interested to see if he can get back to that more with offensive play calling and possibly just he seems to to have too much happy feet in the pocket, I guess is the easiest way to put it. And I right. do think some of that comes down to what happened to him last year. Obviously, he got beat up. A lot right. of really bad play calling, in my opinion, last year with Freddie Kitchens. It was weird to see. Obviously, his rookie season, Freddie Kitchens was calling plays in right. the back half. But I think a lot of that was Freddie was just calling plays that worked well for Baker's game. I think they tried to get a little bit too cute last year. I still like Freddie Kitchens. think he's a phenomenal offensive mind. I just think he had too much going on. They asked too much of him. I kind of felt like that happened to week one. Kevin Stefanski, if you have watched anything of what he did in Minnesota, very smart play caller, did a lot of great things there with the Vikings. But I think they tried to get a little too cute yesterday, or, uh, Sunday, and that kind of hurt Baker. For me, I think Baker needs to continue to progress on the offensive side of things with Play action passing. They need to move the pocket, allow him to get outside of the pocket, throw off platform, and on the run, he is very good at that. Uh, he needs to work on going through his progressions. I think the biggest separator between him, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen, who are two guys who've really kind of succeeded in that draft class with his at the quarterback position, is Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson can use their feet to create opportunities down mm-hmm. the field. 
Baker cannot do that. He's got a great arm, and I think he's still extremely talented. But he, he cannot create plays with his legs like Lamar and Josh Allen can. So he needs to learn to become a, a student of the game is the way I would put it. He needs to learn how to, to read defenses, digress defenses, and, and go already know where he's going to go with the ball, a la a Peyton Manning, a Russell Wilson, although Russell Wilson's obviously able to do stuff with his legs. Now Aaron Rodgers, I guess, would be a better example. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, I understand those are the best of the best. He doesn't have to be that good, but I, I feel like lately – in watching his games, and I am not a quarterback, so don't take this as as the you know gospel truth here. Be saying this, I feel like he has his read, and if his first read is not there, he starts to panic, and then everything just goes crazy. He right. needs to learn to be able to go through his progressions instead of panicking after read one and just kind of bailing out of the pocket. I felt like we saw a lot of that with Baltimore Sunday. If, if Odell was covered or Landry was covered. With his first read, he started to get those happy feet moving around, looked confused, not knowing what to do. And he was actually getting a lot of time from the offensive line at times, even against that really good defensive front for Baltimore, and just seemed to bail out of the pocket. And it was just a wild, crazy throws. And I think he needs to get back to being that confident gunslinger he was his rookie season. Yeah, and, and obviously Baker hasn't been set up for you know a lot of stability in Cleveland. You know, four head coaches, four offensive coordinators. It's been you know it's hard for him to get some stability. But it's a question I ask all of my I mean all my friends and my roommates who happen to be all Browns fans, which kind of sucks. Uh, but but um, the question I always ask is: Is Baker the answer at quarterback for the franchise for Cleveland? Is he your franchise quarterback? I still believe in him. I do know that a lot of Browns fans uh, have been jumping ship. Uh, you know, you mentioned the the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. I also am the head of the the Debbie team mm-hmm. at Dynasty Nerds, uh, which if you don't know what Debbie is, we, we pretty much focus mainly on college football. Baker was my number one coming out far ahead of everybody else, and, and I still think he has that talent. Well, you know, I understand that. You know the rookie touchdown uh, record is not a huge number. It was only it was only twenty five, twenty six, but mm. nobody else had ever done that. And I think that that speaks volumes to what how good Baker was. And he did that not playing two full games. He came in halfway through the third game. You can't expect him to to you know be an all star right then and there. So he comes out still sets the record after missing a couple of games uh, with Tyrod starting. Baker has the talent. I, I still believe in him. I think personally they need to at least give him this full season. You know, again, you just mentioned it. Three head coaches and three offensive coordinators in three years in the league. That's not easy for anybody to take mm-hmm. on, much less a, a quarterback who, again, this is his third year in. It's actually never happened in the 100-plus years of the NFL. A number one pick had three head coaches and three offensive coordinators in the first three years of the NFL. So this is not something he's ever had to, or anybody has ever had to deal with. I think they need to give him at least a year to try and learn. Weird offseason, you know, COVID, no preseason games. They did not get a chance to actually run this offense and run this against actual teams before the start of the season. So I do kind of look at week one against Baltimore, this week against Cincinnati, really Washington, and then Dallas. As, as preseason games almost for Cleveland, even though it, it counts for the standings in the regular season, this is Baker's preseason. So I think you have to give him the full season to prove that he's still the guy. But for me, I think he is still the future and your franchise quarterback. Yeah, and, and I, when I first saw the matchup that the Browns were playing the Ravens, I, I, my immediate thought was, "Wow, this is this is." I mean, that's a hard mismatch with a with a new head coach going into you know. Team a team that a lot of people thought e are even going to go sixteen and zero, 
which is crazy. And, and you know, you just don't really see that. And it, it was going to be a tough. It was going to be a tough matchup either way. But speaking of coaches, so you said I think I said four. You said three. You're right. I I, I didn't know why I said four. Um, but. So let's go. Let's talk about Stefanski. Uh, what What do you think he's doing well? What do you think he's not doing well that he could do better at? Well, just to, to you are technically not wrong. Uh, they mm. they did have he did have technically four head coaches yeah. and, and four if you count the interims in um, in huge, uh, Greg Williams. Right. Uh, they did have Todd Haley as well there. So technically, he does have the four if you count the interims. I just was based on you know who he oh, started sure. the year with. Kind of right. Right. So right. you are technically right. Hey, um, but uh, for for Stefanski, uh, you know, obviously it's it's hard to say what he's done right because I don't love what happened Sunday. Right. And I don't think there was a lot of great offensive play calling going on, mm. um, and I hate to say that again because I'm I'm sitting on my couch on Sundays. I'm not on an NFL sideline mm. anywhere, so. I almost, you know, like I said earlier, I think I, I just, just kind of burn the tape on that one and hope for the best. You are, you know, I'm going to be honest, I have the same thoughts you just had mm-hmm. when you brought up seeing the the Browns getting, a, not only getting Baltimore week one, but it being in Baltimore right. and then starting the offseason the way you did with COVID and everything. I think that was a horrible way for the Browns to start. It's a horrible way for anything to start. Nobody wants to go up against the Saints, right. uh, you know, Chiefs, Ravens, 49ers, those best teams. Granted, the 49ers ended up losing, but mm. you, you don't want to go up against those top teams at their home stadium to open up the season. Uh, but I do think if he's able to do and replicate some of the success he had in Minnesota here with Cleveland, I do think that he will be a good coach. I mean, we saw what he did with Diggs, Thielen, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, and I think you could argue easily that while Cook, I think, and Chubb are probably on the same level, Cook a little bit better maybe in the receiving game, the mixture of Chubb and Hunt is better than Cook. And then I would think, in my opinion, there's no argument between Odell Beckham and Landry being better than Thielen and Diggs overall game. So I think he's got better weapons here in Cleveland. He's just got to figure out a way to work them into the game plan that he built at Minnesota and getting that to work here in Cleveland. Absolutely, absolutely. So, all right, so now let's move our focus over to Thursday night. A big game, AFC North. This is the Browns' second AFC North game. Uh, what do the Browns have to do in order to beat the Bengals uh, on Thursday night? I think their biggest thing is they've got to do something they have yet to do uh, really up until actually Sunday's game, and that's stop the run. I think Joe Mixon, every time the the schedule comes out for the Bengals, he's probably circling the two weeks that he plays Cleveland Mm -hmm. uh, because he has seemed to own us on the ground. They're going to have to stop him. Uh, You know, I personally, I watched the game uh, Sunday between the Bengals and the, the, uh, the Chargers. I'm a big Borough guy, big Ohio State guy, so I mm. love seeing the success he had with LSU last year. I'm, mm. I'm rooting for him. I thought, obviously, you guys, I'm sure you don't want to relive your game either. Yeah, it was they tough. Won it with, with that horrible push-off call on A.J. Green, but, uh, you know, <laughs> they. I, I do think Burrow looks good. Obviously, he had some bad in that game as well, but I thought he looked good. But I do think the Browns' defense is good enough that if you you put the pressure on Joe, while I do think he's good enough to come through for you, you don't want Mm. Nixon to be the one to beat you because he's done it before on teams that I don't think are quite as talented as as the Bengals are right now with the offense they have. So I think they've got to stop Joe Joe Mixon, not Joe Burrow. I think that's what they really need to focus on Sunday for the defensive side. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and flip the question on you. I want to get some insight on the uh, the Browns' weaknesses. What do the Bengals have to do to beat the Browns on Thursday? 
attack that linebacking core as much as possible. The mm-hmm. Browns have lost uh, a lot of their linebacking core. Uh, their really their whole secondary as well. The only starter they had this time last year, Denzel Ward, is out there. They've lost a lot of players to injury. You know, they lost their their top one of their top defensive picks in Grant Delpit. Greedy Williams, their second round pick last year, is likely out as well. Uh, you know, Sion Takitaki is leading the linebacker core, who was our fifth linebacker last year. So we've suffered a lot of injuries there. Obviously, the defensive line is our strong suit. Uh, granted, they didn't look great against Baltimore, but if they can kind of get the ball out quick in Burrow, which he is a, a master tech- tactician at that, mm-hmm. if he can get the ball out quick into the middle of the field or get the ball, you know, move into some of those guys and let them work in space. I think that's their best way to beat them because that secondary and the linebacking core for the Browns is, in my opinion, probably bottom five in the NFL, unfortunately. Okay. So now now I got to get you with the most unbiased question of them all, and I need the most unbiased answer. Who is going to win? Yeah. What is the score going to be? I am honestly... Not a hundred percent sure on this. I, I've been going back and forth. I, I do think, in the end, that the Browns pull this out close. I, I don't believe. I, I've seen some people talking about they think that this is going to be an easy win for Cleveland. I don't see that. I, mm-hmm. I think Cleveland and Cincinnati have always played each other tough. They, I don't mm-hmm. remember many a times. There's been a few blowouts here and there, but I, right. I, in my opinion, just going back through my head and thinking about stuff, they've always had close games. Even last year. Uh, when Dalton got hurt and Jeff Driscoll came in there, it still ended up being a shootout mm-hmm. against Cleveland. So I expect that to happen again this weekend, or tomorrow, I'm sorry. Uh, I do think the Browns have a little bit of an edge, just having a guy like Baker and some of the other players they have there with Burrow, this being, I think his biggest weakness coming in is, is exactly what we've been talking about. This is really his second week of game action. And while he did look good, I think, in that game against uh, San Diego, um, San Diego, Los Angeles. It's a little bit different. He's going to be at Cleveland with fans there. The you know Cleveland is allowed to have, I believe, it's six thousand fans there. So that's not a big home field advantage. They get a little bit of a home field advantage. Uh, you know they're they're going to be at home, so they don't have to worry about traveling or anything like that. So I I do think this game means a lot more to Cleveland as well. I think the Bengals are obviously moving in the right direction. They feel they have their their franchise quarterback. I like a lot of the moves they've made. As much as I hate to say this as a Browns fan, I almost feel like this could be their season if they lose this game. So I do think they they somehow find a way to pull it off. I think they win twenty seven twenty one. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and and, and yeah, that. I agree with you. It's just such a shootout, and, and it you know it's not only is it the NFL, it's the Bengals versus the Browns. There's always some wackiness going on, and there's just you know crazy scores and such. And you and I have, have experienced quite a bit of them. Um, Real one quick question that I thought of right before um, we started is that uh, let's just say all you know worst comes to worst. Uh, when do you go from Baker to Case Keenum? If if just worst comes to worst, it's worst case scenario. When do you go to Case Keenum? What week? I I, I personally don't think you do unless Baker okay. gets hurt. I know a lot of people are talking about that. Uh, the Browns. This is a a team that can win now, obviously with the offensive weapons. And again, I, I don't think the defense is quite as good as other people do. They, they've really gotten hit with some injuries, and I don't think this defense is near as good as it would have been had everybody been healthy. Right. right. For me, I think at this point, I think it's hard to say this is any kind of Super Bowl contending team seeing some of the other teams out there in the NFL. 
I think you've got to let Baker ride this year. Unless you just absolutely know at some point this season that he's just not the guy, which I just can't see that happening. I can't see him being so bad every single week Mm. uh, that you just obviously know he's not the guy. So I think you have to give him the season because if the Browns struggle and they end up with another top 10 pick, there's a couple quarterbacks coming out this year you could have a shot at. Uh, So I think you've got to let Baker see if if this regime thinks Baker is a guy because Barry – uh, while he was with the team, he was not the one who made the pick to get Baker. There was a lot of analytics guys who were more on Shane Darnold, and John Dorsey was the one who made the pick on Baker. He is no longer the general manager of the right. team. Uh, so I, would they, I think they need to give Baker the full year, as I mentioned earlier, to see if he's a guy. If, if I had to give you an absolute date, if they're sitting there you know, 10, 11 weeks in and they're still in the playoff hunt and Baker has played every single week the way like he did week one, I guess I can see you making the move, but mm-hmm. I think if you if you do that, then you're pretty much resigning yourself to the fact that you're going to grab a quarterback either in this year's draft or the draft after. Because in my opinion, Case Keenum is not the answer. I like Kate Keenum; he's a good backup, but he's not a starter. And I do think if they make that move, you're just trying to make a a push to just make it to the playoffs, just so you can get that stain off your name of not making being the I think the team with the longest drought now for the playoffs. Uh, because they're not going to go anywhere with Case Keenum. They may make the playoffs, maybe they win a game in the playoffs, but there's no way they're beating any of the good teams, in my opinion. Absolutely. Well, Matt, I really appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun. Is there anything you want to plug before I let you go? Uh, No, I mean, obviously, I imagine everybody listening to this are Bengals fans, so good luck to you guys uh, (laughs) Thursday night. Uh, If you are a little bit of a Browns fan or you know a Browns fan that's looking for a Browns podcast, you can obviously – Hit up the Browns podcast we have is at the, uh, the Back Row Browns uh, podcast. I have another fantasy football podcast, the Fantasy Football Roundtable. We talk everything there. Uh, and then you can hit me up on Twitter if you guys have any college fantasy football questions like that at all. I'm, I'm always on Twitter looking to help people out. You can follow me at SportsFanaticMV. Okay, oh, that's right. You're a college guy. So I, I have to ask you a question uh, that is just college-related. What is the realistic odds of the Cincinnati Bearcats actually making the college football playoff like Desmond Howard says? Ooh, that's a good one. I actually really like Cincinnati. Yes. The biggest thing is they're going to have to probably go undefeated, which I do mm. think is possible. I really like their quarterback, uh, Desmond Riddler, if I'm remembering his name correctly now off the top of my head. Yep, um, Des- Ritter, but I like the Riddler. Ritter, Ritter, that's a yeah. good one. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I actually kind of really like him. I, I would, I think they'd have to go undefeated. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a really weird year. I was actually talking about this earlier. Trying to try and keep this quick. Right. SEC and the Big Twelve all have to play each other this year because of the conference only games, which they don't always do in the past. You'll see games like teams like Alabama and Georgia only play each other once sometimes because, right. and that's in the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. Due to the conference-only schedules, they'll have to play each other at least once leading up until that point. Mm-hmm. So there is a realistic shot that some of those guys beat each other up or knock each other out of games to where you're only going to get likely the one team in the mm-hmm. SEC. I think you'll get one team in the Big 12. I think Clemson's obviously a lock unless they lose to Notre Dame. And then I would think you're going to have to get a Big 10 team in there if they go undefeated as well. So I think... Their best shot is to go undefeated and put up a lot of points. Unfortunately, I don't see that happening. Now that the Big Ten is back next month, and then there's now obviously talk that the Pac-12 is going to force their way back in. If they do that with the conference-only schedules, I don't think 
Cincinnati is going to have a, a big enough win on their schedule to get them in. Had the Big Ten and Pac-12 been out, if they went undefeated, I would say they'd almost be a lock to make in that four spot. But with, with the Big Ten and Pac-12 coming back, I think that that lowers their chances, unfortunately. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear that you're, you're, uh, you really like Cincinnati and you considered them a lock until, I guess, today. But uh, really, Matt, I appreciate you coming on. Go check out Back Row Browns um, if you guys want to go check out The Enemy. And uh, I will see you tomorrow night. Yes, sir. Good luck. All right. Right back at you. Hey, who day? Go Brownies. All right. All right, Matt. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. That was Matthew Bruning of the Back Row Browns podcast and his Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. Terribly nice guy. Um, we got a great matchup tomorrow. Just so excited for it. Uh, I think just we just all have a bad taste in our mouth, and we are just ready to rumble. So, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We had two pot two podcasts this week. Awesome, loved it. We're gonna keep trying to do two podcasts. We'll do one that recaps the game before, and we'll do one um, that that we maybe have a guest or in uh, preview the uh, upcoming game. Thank you guys so much for listening. Who day, Bengals Nation? I will see you guys next week. All right, bye.